Today, we're gonna to talk to a seller who's recently exited two brands and listen to some strategies that she has that have helped her do unique things such as have products that were grossing over $400,000 a month on Amazon without even one PPC campaign. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the Amazon or Walmart world. We've got a serious seller here who's been on the show before. Melissa, how's it going? Amazing. How are you? It's so great to be back. Now, the first time, you were actually, you were one of my first interviewees, I guess, who who did it in person. You remember that over there in, in our Irvine uh, office when the world used to be normal? Yeah, I happened to be in town and you hit me up on Instagram. I was like, this is perfect. I'm actually in California. Um, I have some friends with me too who actually sell on Amazon, but you know, using different methods or different business models. Uh, it would be super cool just to have everyone get in a room and have a conversation about Amazon. <laughs> yep. That so was, was super cool. And and now you know it's been it's been a, it's been a couple of years and and so we're like you know what uh, let's uh, let let's see what you've been up to and then also you know you've got some exciting things that you've been working on that I wanted to uh, you know get an update on but um in the meantime how has your last couple of years like uh, I know you've uh, exited some brands was that all before like years ago or or have you exited like in the last since we've talked uh, last on any other brands. Yeah. So a lot has definitely happened since we last chatted about, I think it was two years ago. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, that it was actually after we had spoken on the podcast mm -hmm. together. So ended up exiting my first brand, which was Namaskara. Uh, shortly after that podcast actually was about two years ago. And then the second brand, which is Orphic Nutrition, which was co-founded by myself and my partner, Bryce Alderson. And that was uh, actually, we exited and got acquired by a huge aggregator um, back in March of this year. So the first one was not through an aggregator? No, it wasn't. So uh, basically went through uh, Empire Flippers for that one. Originally, okay. I had the had had it listed on a couple of other, you know, third party marketplaces, but found it was a lot of fielding, you know, people who are kicking tires. And as yeah. a business owner, you don't have time to take all these calls. And it's just people who sign the NDA want to get all of your information and, you know, mm -hmm. know your brand and know the products that you're selling and then just end up not being serious. So ended up going through Empire Flippers just through some recommendations because they actually will vet the potential buyers because you have to provide and upload a uh, proof of funds. So at least you know that the people you're getting on phone calls with, they're actually you know, very serious buyers and um, they've already been vetted. They have the cash to per to basically move forward. So ended up going that route. And after I think it was two days of being listed on Empire Flippers, ended up selling the company. Wow. Wow. Now you've been on two different kinds of a way to sell your business. Do you have any preference? Like, like was one better than the other? Both turned out amazingly. Both sucked. I mean, like, what, what would you say about going the non-aggregator route as opposed to going the aggregator route? Yeah, I'm very fortunate that they went very smoothly. Both of them didn't take very long for the due diligence process. So for Empire Flippers, uh, it was more 
of a, it wasn't, it wasn't like a super hectic transition. Uh, I think the buyers didn't have as many requirements that we had to go through. Their due diligence mm-hmm. was a lot shorter. Basically due diligence was done within less than a week. So that was great. And uh, both deals were structured a little bit differently. So with my first company that I sold ended up being an all cash offer upfront. And, you know, when you sell a company, there's so many different ways that you can structure your business buyout, whether it's all cash upfront, which is an ideal situation. If you just want to, you know, take chips off the table and just uh, basically not have to be as involved in the company moving forward. So that actually ended up buying me a lot more time in my life because I didn't have to, you know, help with consulting or anything else for the next two years. Uh, Whereas with Orphic Nutrition, you know, the way that it was structured is we do have a big portion of it is cash up front. And then uh, over the next two years, we have an earnout option, an opportunity where we can get a percentage of the profit, uh, which is also beneficial if you want to be a part of the future growth of the company as well. So it really just depends on your own situation at the time. I think when I sold my first company, I was just ready to, you know, um, sell and basically take chips off the table and be able to put that towards other uh, diversifying assets. So for me, sure. I really wanted to get into real estate. So I ended up taking a lot of those funds and basically ended up buying um, up a bunch of properties over the last couple of years. And What's you know, a bunch I of properties? Bought, uh, bought my first duplex, um, duplex and basically wow. lived in one unit, rented out the other unit, then sold that seven months later and made about almost $200,000 on that duplex. And then wow. also purchased, or I built my own you know, dream home uh, in my hometown, closer to family. So I ended up building a house, which was a really, really cool process. And then uh, also bought three more properties. So another duplex uh, and two more condos, actually. Okay. Wow. That's, that's, you're, you're like a real estate tycoon now. I love it. I love it. So <laughs> no, no, no crypto though. Like, isn't that all the rage that everybody's just like getting into crypto when they, when they get some uh, cash windfalls? So crazy story. When I first started in crypto, made a lot of money in crypto early in the early days. Uh, but I don't know if you've heard about this exchange called Quadriga. So very, mm. very big exchange in Canada. And this is who m- most people were using. If you're a Canadian citizen, you'd be, you know, purchasing crypto through um, Quadriga. And then I had a lot of crypto stored on the exchange because we were tr- day trading it and basically um, just, you know, we were scalping here and there. And next thing you know, um, the owner of Quadriga mysteriously passes away. So ended up, you know, everyone who had any money on the exchange, their crypto got locked in, basically couldn't access it. Um, the only person with like the keys to the crypto is the the founder, but he's presumed dead. So there's like this huge lawsuit. It's an ongoing class action lawsuit because there's speculation that basically he faked his death and ran away with all the crypto because a bunch of the wallets were like emptied previous, like prior to, to him passing away. And he passed away in this city in India known for registering like fake uh, death certificates. And there's all this stuff coming out. And I swear there's going to be a Netflix documentary on it probably coming out, but um, absolutely insane. I ended up losing a ton of crypto. Uh, at this point and ended up basically it was it was a huge sting I was like damn like that really sucked so obviously I was more skeptical when jumping back into crypto Um, and it wasn't until recently that I got back into crypto 
Um, but it's not something that I think I fully understand yet. And for me, I like to understand the things that I'm investing in and making sure I at least have the background. And obviously I did, um, do my due diligence as much as I could back then, but you never know, like you could still get royally screwed over by things that you would never expect to happen. Um, and I think that crypto, there's still a lot of work to be done in order to make sure that crypto is, you know, somewhat safer investment. And it was an expensive lesson that I learned. Obviously, if you don't hold the keys, it's not your crypto. So biggest lesson I learned not to keep, you know, my crypto on the exchange. I did have a ledger at the time, but during that time we were day trading, obviously we left it on the exchange. Obviously a big mistake, Um, but hopefully we can recover some of it. And then I did invest in a couple of smaller projects. Some of them did well, some of them didn't. Uh, I've been looking into NFTs. I know a lot of people are doing, you know, the NFT wave right now, and that seems to be what's hot. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of artists and love to support people. And uh, I have a friend who launched this product called Blue, and it's really, really interesting. So you basically just created NFTs based on like companies, which is a really cool model. So um, that's something that I've been looking into and yeah, it's been really, really interesting diving into all these new projects that are coming out. Okay, cool. What, what about Amazon itself? Like, like, you know, once, once you're an Amazon seller, like I, I can never, rem- I don't know. I, I just can't imagine being away from it now. So like, do you have that, do you get that, that itch, you know, we're like, okay, I need, I need to start or help another person, you know, like start a, a new brand because I'm just like having uh, withdrawals here from the whole Amazon lifestyle. I mean, I feel like once you're in the Amazon world, it's so hard to leave, especially when it's something that you become really good at. Like I dedicated the last six years of my life basically selling on Amazon. So it would make no sense for me to just completely jump out, which is why I made it super clear to, you know, the buyers that a non-compete is non-negotiable and they can't stop me from selling on Amazon basically. So that was like one of the first things that I had to bring up to them when I was considering the potential sale of the companies that, you know, sure we can have like um, a specific non-compete in place, but it can't be all encompassing. It can't basically state that I can no longer sell in a specific category, et cetera. Um, so I ended up being able to massage that into a way that I was comfortable with. And um, with that being said, like I am still actively launching new brands and products. So currently working on launching two new brands uh, on Amazon. So always current always, always, always learning, always launching. And I feel like the best way that I, you know, learn new things is by launching products, um, on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So, so like, you know, obviously, you know, you had a beauty brand before and, and some other brands. And when you have a brand, when you're doing product research to, to expand it out, it, it's one thing, because it's like, you're already in a niche and then you can kind of see what your own customers are asking for or, or what's, you know, trending in that niche. But when you have a, a blank slate, as it were, how do you do things differently? Like, did you like tell yourself, you know what, I only want to get into something that I'm kind of passionate about, or I have some knowledge, or were you just like, Hey, I'm completely open. If, if underwater baskets, is, I find is trending, I'm going to go ahead and get in that. Or, or what's your, what's your criteria now that you're, you're starting over from scratch, I guess you can say. My approach to selling on Amazon is a little bit different because I prefer to sell, you know, brands as a whole. And like you mentioned, you know, I have a lot of experience in the consumable space. So that's typically what I like to sell. And I also like to sell products that I use on a regular basis, products that I 
use personally, right? Things that I know how to use that in that way, you're not really relearning uh, a new industry or a new niche. If it's products that you already use, you are the end user and it makes it a lot easier to sell to those end users because they're basically you or just a, a different version of you, um, so to speak. So for me, I like to sell products that I do use. And then the bonus is you almost get like a lifetime supply of that product because it's your own brand. So now you don't have to go and buy someone else's product. You can use your product. So I always thought that that was a really cool byproduct hmm. of creating a brand that you know puts out products that you can use on a regular basis. And for me, skincare is, is very, very you know, important step in my morning routine. And then you have, you know, supplements with Orphic Nutrition. I still take Orphic supplements, even though we, we exited, but I'm absolutely, you know, I love the elderberry gummies and the apple cider vinegar gummies that we have. Um, and even the Nootropic, it's one of the best products that we've put out as well as our ashwagandha. And that really helps with, you know, with just, I'm a very emotional person. And when you run a business, there's a lot of things that kind of come your way and it's easy to get hit off your rocker. Um, and so it's, it's, it's helpful to be able to have a level head and supplement in ways that will help you, you know, maintain, uh, that anxiety or suppress that anxiety. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so then for this, for the new products that you're looking into, you're kind of using it still as a criteria, like, you know, maybe it's not going to be necessarily, you know, uh, some kind of consumable, but but it should be something that you can you yourself use and and feel good about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that if you build a brand around something that you're interested in, it's going to be so much easier for you to build a business around it because you get excited about it. It's something yeah. that will you know make you get up in the morning. So if you're excited about you know going to to work and work on your business every single day, day in day out, you're going to have a lot easier of a time than working on something that you have no idea about. And now sure. you have to you know you're spending all these hours dreading having to to research new ways to market this product that you really have no idea about. Yeah. I mean, e- even if it's the other way, you know, I always tell people, I was like, hey, maybe you get into something that you didn't even know existed, let alone you're passionate about, you know, like coffin shelves, you know, like we did in Project X, you know, like obviously I'm not passionate about or I'm not going to use coffin shelf. But guess what, guys? I saw there was money there. I made myself passionate about it. I studied it and now I am passionate about coffin shelves and I know exactly the kind of person who'd be interested in that. I know that, you know, they, they also like shell shaped like bats and, and they like uh, words I never even knew existed before, like macabre decor and just different things. So like the most ideal is if you can get into something and there's opportunity where it's something that you either use or are passionate about. But guess what, guys? Don't just limit yourself to that. It's still what Melissa said applies. It's like if you're not passionate about it yet, don't start selling it unless you can make yourself uh, passionate about it. Like, you know, the, the other Project X product was egg trace. Like, I don't even eat, I hate eggs with a passion. Like, I literally throw up at, at eggs. Like, I can't eat eggs. But I delved into like, all right, who would buy this kind of product? Oh, it's wow, people who who have these like chicken coops and, and they do fresh eggs and people who like want to display the, And then I just became an expert and I'm like, okay, I know all about it. So what Melissa said is absolutely true. Like if, if you can get excited or if you are excited about something, it's going to be so much easier to uh, build a business around it. Now, another question uh, I had was, you know, we talked last time uh, in the podcast about how you help celebrities. Um, and you know, athletes and different things to, to start brands. So, you know, not not I'm, I know there's celebrities and, and athletes who listen to us, but but I don't I don't want to just like you know single them out. But there are people out there who 
who have existing followings already. You know, maybe they're not, you know, some professional, you know, sports star, but they were able to build up a big Instagram or TikTok following. Now, for that kind of persona, how, how does the product research um, differ? Where it's like, hey, you're not necessarily starting from scratch. You know, from day one, you've already got this big fan base that you can market to. So how does that change the, you know, the kind of product research phase for you if you're that kind of persona? Yeah. Having a personal brand is so powerful. And I think that people need to understand, you know, sometimes they go into building a business and building it from scratch, you know, trying to sell a product to basically anyone that they can find and out of thin air, but there's no backstory to it. But when you have, you know, yourself as a per like an influencer, you already have people that follow you that can resonate with you. They relate to you. They like you, they trust you, they respect you. And it's so much easier to convert that type of audience rather than, you know, reaching out to a cold audience. So when you have a following already, these people are ready to give you money. You just have to be able to position a, a compelling offer to them, whether it's a product or some people offer, you know, some sort of um, like a, a fitness course or routine, or, you know, you might offer a service as an influencer. So I've worked with a lot of fitness influencers just because, you know, I have a a lot of background in selling supplements and sport nutrition products. So I actually recently helped a, um, a well-known renowned, he's a, a very well-known nutritionist and he's a doctor um, in the Latin America space and ended up launching a brand, not even on Amazon. This is something that he's going to be taking as a next step. But within his first you know, hour, he did like $10,000 in sales just by you know, putting one simple swipe up uh, on a product that I helped him design and basically, you know, worked with him on the formulation, worked with him on the packaging design and everything else. And ended up becoming a huge success just because he had a following and people who trust him and like him and respect him uh, just as a professional in his space. So I think that it's really, really powerful. If you can build even just a personal brand, that can go a long way as well, because no matter what you put out, there's going to be people who are willing to, to buy from you. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you only dabble in products where I don't know what the word is, uh, replenishable, you know, like where you can do subscribe and save and things like that. Yeah. Consume. But if there's another, like, I, I guess subscribe and save is really the word, the word, the word I was looking for. Like, do, do you only do stuff where you can activate that on, uh, on Amazon? Because, uh, you know, because you, you get continuity that, that that's the word, I, that, that, that's the word in e-commerce I was looking for the, the continuity type of products. Not always. I mean, obviously with beauty products and supplements, yes, those are technically consumables. I have sold, you know, one-off products, uh, but those were more like jumping on a trend type products just to see, you know, maybe we make some some quick cash infusion or, you know, boost our sales for a specific brand. Um, or I've worked with, you know, people who sell products that aren't consumables and they still sell very, very well. Like there's nothing wrong with selling things that aren't consumables. I just really love consumables because like you said, they're subscribe and save. Even for Orphic Nutrition, we had, you know, over 3000 people for a single product subscribed. Um, and that was generating over $30,000 a month minimum uh, just in returning and reoccurring orders. So like that alone is powerful if you can sell you know, um, reoccurring or reorderable products, then people are willing to try other products of yours. They're, you can bundle them. Um, they reorder, like our repeat buyer rate was somewhere around 46%. 
uh, with Orphic Nutrition. And yeah, it's absolutely insane. But obviously, that's not to say that you can't make a killing selling, you know, egg coffins <laughs> or sorry. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Coffin. yeah exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. We actually came out with a coffin egg tray, like to, to, to mix the egg tray uh, brand and to mix the <laughs> coffin shelf or like a coffin shaped egg tray. Um, how, how do you how do you go about calculating that dough? You know, like do you have some special formula? Because obviously, in that in those spaces, PPC costs or an A cost is like through the roof. Where you know, 90 percent is like the norm. But you know, where, where you'd be like, wait a minute, I'm losing money. But at the same time, you're like, no, because this person, yeah, maybe it costs ninety percent A cost to acquire them, but because they're going to be ordering over and over again. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm willing to do a hundred percent a cost or something. So like, do, do you have to like, kind of just like take a look at what your, um, uh, like your LTV uh, of the customer is, and then put that into the formula on how much you're willing to spend, because it can get pretty much out of hand. You know, I've heard of some places that even have like 10 and $15 clicks, like some, you know, spaces on Amazon. How, how do you go about calculating that? So for us, PPC was more for launches and it wasn't really something that we kept running, you know, for the longevity of our our brands. Uh, It was to help us rank and to help us launch our products. But the goal was trying to get our sales to become more organic versus paid advertising. Now, obviously, you can get cheaper clicks through different platforms like Google advertising now. Um, And we've been playing around with Amped now uh, and it's been generating some pretty you know, great results so far. So I'm very, very impressed with that, how that's been working for some of our products. But in terms of, you know, PPC itself, like, sure, we run it when it comes to launch. We're willing to pay those higher clicks to acquire the customers, uh, to get even just that information. A lot of people are afraid to, you know, spend that money and look at it as an investment in getting data about your your company or about the products that you're selling. And not only that, but the keyword data and figuring out, oh, like I would have never thought to put this keyword into my listing or for like our foam roller example, for example, um, that wasn't a consumable product, but it was a product that we launched. So it was like a six in one foam roller. And basically we found out that we were getting a lot of clicks for uh, foam roller for back but we didn't realize that it wasn't converting as well because we didn't really mention, you know, for back or we didn't have images that were reflecting like back exercises. So that's something that we have to go in and obviously refine and obviously helps us improve our campaigns and the overall listing itself. So yeah, clicks can get expensive, but you're looking at it as an investment at the time at, at the end of the day. And if you can optimize it and get lower, you know, click, uh, click costs, then uh, obviously that's, that's more ideal for sure. So or- Orphic is one of the brands you sold? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. I- I'm like looking at it right now. I just ran it through Cerebro. The main seller, I mean, it looks like overall, it looks like they're almost doing like a million dollars a month here. But the main seller is doing like about $400,000 uh, or the main product, I should say, the apple cider vinegar gummies. When you were running the brand, uh-huh. was that pretty much the number one uh, SKU two? Now, I yeah. just ran this through Cerebro. They're not running sponsored ads for this no. product. <laughs> So wait, hold on, <laughs> they're doing four hundred thousand dollars. I was like, wait a minute, is this a bug in Helium? Now nah, Helium Ten's pretty good about this. So so yeah, because when you said that, I was like, wait a minute, are you, is she serious? She she's not doing PPC. So like PPC accounts for less than two percent of our overall sales on Amazon. <laughs> how did you scale up then? You know, was there a lot of outside of a lot of outside traffic coming in, or like because this is? I mean, I, I'm sure this exists, but I I just personally have not seen you know, outside of, oh, Nike or, 
you know, or, or, or a big vendor, you know, where it's like a, you know, big time brand recognition. How do you get to the point where, where you don't even need to do PPC and you can still on one SKU do $400,000 a month? It's all about positioning your, if you can position your product on page one and stick, that's where the magic happens. And I think that, you know, obviously it can be very, very competitive, but it's also about recognizing potential products and niches and even like um, niches within those niches where you can sell a product and position yourself as not the number one seller, but maybe the number two, three, four or five seller. Um, so it wasn't about, you know, being number one on Amazon for that product. We know that our main competitor is Golly. So they were actually the, the innovators of the apple cider vinegar gummies. And what they did was um, they put so much marketing dollars behind this product that we knew we had to sell it on Amazon because, you know, they were on the Ellen show. They put all this money on Facebook advertising. I was getting, you know, attacked by all of their their advertisements. So um, basically it was just writing their advertising budget. So we were letting another company basically do our advertising for us. So what we did was we created, you know, a similar product, but we wanted to make it a little bit more potent uh, and also taste better. So we tested a lot of different gummies uh, and it was great. It was fun doing the product testing. I was on a sugar high all the time, but <laughs> uh, yeah, but it was, it was honestly so much fun, you know, coming up with this gummy and then having them in different shapes and all that fun stuff. Um, so that was one of the, you know, more recent pro- products that we had actually launched. We didn't launched the apple cider vinegar gummy until like last year, I believe. So it hasn't even been, you know, one of our main products until recently. And it's been gaining a lot of traction because we were able to capitalize on this, you know, new, I guess, niche or new keyword um, that no one was capitalizing on because no one was selling gummies in the, for apple cider vinegar. It was all capsules. It was always, you know, a different form of apple cider. Like you actually had to drink it or you had to take it in a capsule form. So recognized, you know, okay, well, if this brand is spending this much money on advertising off of Amazon, at this point, they weren't even selling on Amazon. We were like, okay, if we can just get on and position ourselves as like the second um, seller, you know, and we show up under Golly's search results and we can come and undercut them in price point because we had a really great working relationship with our manufacturer who gave us priority pricing. Then we're able to compete in that space um, without having to spend our own marketing dollars. So then like, it's like, hey, let, let, let these other guys kind of create the demand for the niche, mm-hmm. you know, and, and increase that search volume. Um, you know, because yeah, I mean, before it was a thing, you know, people definitely search for apple cider vinegar, but nobody was searching for apple cider vinegar gummies because they didn't even know it was a thing, you know, like, so, you know, let them create the uh, marketing dollars so that now, now there's search volume for this niche. And then let's just piggyback on, on that success. Um, now how did you get to page one? I mean, you're, you're on page one for the, or, you know, I say you, but you're, you're, I still consider it you because I'm sure whatever this, whoever bought the brand is, is just capitalizing on, on what you built up, but how did you get to page one for all these keywords? Uh, was it up through a lot of Google advertising or, or you know, what, were you doing camp, special campaigns for every single keyword or pretty much just happened organically that Amazon started showing you on these pages, um, you know, once you started performing for for that main apple cider vinegar gum, uh, gummy keyword? Yeah, so our main well-oiled machine was actually built through ManyChat. So we had ManyChat flows, which basically helped us, you know, gain rank that way. Uh, so mm-hmm. we'd run like small budget campaigns, anywhere from ten to fifteen, sometimes twenty dollars a day. 
uh, on Facebook ads, just basically advertising our product. And we were, you know, doing obviously rebate campaigns uh, back then. Mm-hmm. Now we're kind of revisiting that strategy with, you know, some of the new changes that are coming up. Um, yeah. So obviously we have to adapt, but we did have quite a large many chat list as well because we had all these other products. Uh, even before Apple Cider, we already had, you know, 12, 13 SKUs that we were already selling under the Orphic brand. Um, so we had about over 20,000 subscribers on our many chat list and it was very easy to segment them and then do mm. launches through that. So because okay. we already had an established list, obviously that helps. Uh, And that's why I always stress the importance of building a brand and then building around that brand and selling complementary products, because then you can come back to those customers later on down the road when you launch new products. Okay. All right. Um, So you obviously built up your list, you know, just, just by running Facebook ads, maybe with some discounts and things like that. Did you also do like anything like insert cards or some other kind of way to get people into your community after the, you know, they purchased the product? Yep. So we, because we didn't have boxes for Orphic Nutrition, but Namskara, we did have boxes. So we had, um, so Namskara was the beauty brand that I sold first and we had inserts in our boxes. So I actually structured it in a way. So it kind of had like a fold over. So as soon as they open the top of the box, the first thing they see is like the in- insert and that would capture their, you know, their attention right, right away. Um, similar idea, keeping that concept in mind, applied at applied that to Orphic and we basically just added a sticker on the top of the bottle. So on the lid is where we added our sticker and that's how we were able to, you know, get our customers to our funnel uh, and then capture their emails. Yeah. All right, guys, you know, any of you who are Helium 10 Platinum members, you all have access to, to portals. You can create QR codes. You can create these, uh, uh, these funnels in order to get people into your, in, into your, into your list, you know, before member a- after their Amazon's customers, um, Amazon, you know, doesn't want you trying to communicate with them, uh, with marketing. Like you can't use buyer seller messaging guys because they're not your, even though they are your customers, they're not your customers They're Amazon's customers. But, you know, be, before people come into, you know, in, into the, the funnel, I guess, or, or find your product on Amazon or even after, you know, if you can get them, you know, like, Hey, here's a warranty or, or here's a, you know, don't do anything black hat. Like, Hey, you know, uh, scan this and, and leave a review and then I'll send you like a coupon. Yeah, that's completely against terms of service. But there's so many different ways within terms of service, guys, you can get build up your list. And, and here's this is the result. You know, you you can now have, you know, million dollars for the sales a month without even having to do uh, PPC just because you're so dominant in the niche. That's pretty cool. What, what other you know, we have this thing on the show. We always do a 30 second tips. But um, instead of just doing one, like, why don't you just give us a, you know, two or three heavy hitters? Like, what are some unique strategies that um, you know helped you, or that you're that, that that are helping you. It could be about using uh, Amped. Uh, I just heard about that in the Elite Workshop last week. People were talking about that. Um, it could be about you know brand building. It could be about you know uh, ranking. Wh- whatever you want. What are some strategies that that you think you do a little bit differently than than others that aren't that that mainstream? Yeah, I think because we you know focus on building brands, uh, this definitely helps with future product launches. So even if you have a failed product, I think a lot of people don't talk about failed products a lot because maybe they're just you know ashamed that it didn't work the way that they wanted it to. Uh, but for me, like I learned from my mistakes, and I think that they that other people can learn from them. So I ended up launching another product under Namskara. It was a, a tea tox, like a tea detox product. And it was just basically me jumping on a trend again. And I was too late to this trend, obviously, because it had been, you know, there had been 
a lot of multi-million dollar brands selling products like this. I thought I could do it a little bit different, um, but I didn't differentiate it enough. And um, when I first launched the product, ended up getting too many reviews too quickly. So then Amazon ended up turning off my reviews on that product listing. Uh, and, you know, obviously it was under review for suspicious activity and everything else, even though they were all compliant reviews, like it was technically, it was just, they came in too quickly. And this was when they started, you know, cracking down on uh, more of like the incentivized reviews. They just thought, oh, like this, you know, this listing is getting too many reviews too quickly. Um, and then I think they also were flagging like non-verified reviews too. So if you had mm-hmm. more than like eight non-verified reviews come in in a single day, that's when they would like flag you for whatever reason. So naturally um, had to be very, very careful, careful of that. And it took like months before Amazon, you know, lifted the review ban on that listing. So I ended up just calling that product dead underwater, still had a bunch of, you know, inventory anyways. And then on top of that, my supplier was not, you know, the greatest to work with for that specific product. It wasn't a supplier mm-hmm. that I was used to working with. And they basically, we, d- we just didn't want to continue working with them. So I was like, I'm just going to call this a loss, but and still had a bunch of inventory left. So uh, when I launched the next product, I ended up being able to use that inventory to launch the next product because I could do like a buy one, get one type of deal. So in Amazon, you can, you know, you can create buy one, get one deals. And then you can also combine that with um, like add to cart links where you can add two products uh, to cart. And then you have basically when those two products are added to cart, uh, you get a discount off of, so it was the T-Talks that we just discounted completely to, to like $0 or to $5 mm-hmm. or whatever it was. So we would have like, if we launched, you know, product, a to the T-Tox, or sorry, if we were launched product A at, you know, $15 and we were selling the T-Tox for $20, then we would discount mm-hmm. it to $5. So then technically you're basically getting, you know, that product for free. So we kind of marketed it in that way. Um, and that was discounting the T-Tox, not the product we were launching. So then if you were to get reviews on the new product, it's not technically you know, an, an unverified review because it's heavily discounted. It wasn't discounted. It was the product that we were trying to liquidate that was getting discounted. So that was a way that we could use failed product inventory to then launch a new product. <laughs> nice. I, I love it. I love it. Now, you know, you, you've talked a lot about a lot of different strategies here, but you actually recently, you know, w- worked on some some more detailed, you know, not just in a 30-minute podcast here, but but more detailed strategies uh, through a course with a uh, founder. So how, how did you get, you know, hooked up with a founder? And, and if you, you know, I think a lot of people know about founder F O U N D R out there, but, but for those who, who don't know about them, if you, if you can just talk a little bit about them. Yeah. Founder magazine is someone, it's a, a publication that I've been following for quite some time. Any entrepreneur basically follows, you know, motivational pages or pages like founder, uh, just for, you know, g- generic tips and tricks. And they have a lot of really, really great instructors, on their platform. So I think it was like last year, this is just after I'd sold uh, Namskara and they had, someone had reached out to me from founder through email. I guess it was from Instagram because they got my email through Instagram. Uh, and during that time, you know, I was doing speaking gigs and everything else. So they probably just found me through, you know, people tagging or something. Um, crazy though. My Instagram is currently down for whatever reason, it's been deactivated and it's been deactivated for a month, but more on that later. Um, So they had reached out to me. I got on a a phone call or a Zoom call with their 
producer at the time. And she was basically saying, you know, like we, we found you and we, we really want you to be an instructor for a course that we, we think will be very valuable because this is one of the most top requested courses we, uh, for requests that we've been getting. And at the time, you know, I, I never really considered myself a guru. I didn't want to, uh, I, I told myself I would never really launch a course because one, I was way too busy, you know, running my own businesses to be able to put out something there of value and to be able to help people uh, on a one-to-one level. So for me to like put out my own course, it just would never make sense. So when they reached out, like I kind of revisited the ideas like, oh, like that might be interesting. Like what would this look like? And um, basically, you know, didn't think anything of it. And I didn't really want to do it at the time anyways. So didn't speak to them for like, after that, it was like a year later. Um, Turns out she had left the company and then they had another producer reach out to me and they're like, Hey, like, I know that, you know, Jessica had reached out to you last year, but we still really want you to potentially, you know, be an instructor. So basically got another call. And at this point I'd sold Orphic and, you know, I have a lot more time now. (laughs) Um, Yeah now that, you know, it had two successful exits. So I basically re-entertained the idea um, and got on a call with the new the new producer. And he's amazing. He um, is super, super down to earth and is someone that I really enjoy working with. So he basically convinced me like, hey, like, you know, there's a lot of people that can really benefit from the things that you know. And I didn't think that I knew anything special uh, until I started, you know, explaining the whole business model to him and actually like going in and working on the breakdown of, okay, these are things that we would have to cover if I was to teach a course, like we need to make sure that, you know, we, we bring the fire with it because if I'm going to put my face behind something, you know, you want to make sure that, um, that it's full of full and packed with value. So they convinced me to basically jump on as one of the instructors. And then Kian actually is a guest instructor as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Kian Gozari, very, very, um, talented and amazing individual. He is known I'm for actually, sourcing. him and I are organizing a, an event in Dubai in December. So if anybody's listening to this, you guys are in Dubai. Keen and I are, are trying to make a, like a Helium 10 social thing on December 23rd. So if you want to meet the man himself, who's been on this podcast multiple times, you know, hit me up on Instagram and, and I'll let you guys know. Anyways, continue. But yeah, so Kian is going to be one of the guest instructors. Um, and you know, we spent, uh, 10 days in New York, filming everything, literally from nine in the morning till 5.30 and really just, you know, put, uh, bringing the fire with all of these different lessons. So really, really excited because it is just being released now. We're doing like pre-sales um, for the course and we have a Black Friday Cyber Monday deal where it's going to be half off because, um, you know, Founder is a very, very reputable uh, publication and they normally sell their courses for any course that they have, like their flagship course is start and scale. They sell it for $2,000, um, but they're doing, you know, a half off deal right now for the Amazon. They're calling it infinite income on Amazon course. So super, super excited about that. Yeah. So guys, ch- check it out. Um, you know, the founder website, um, I'm going to try and get a, a forwarding link. I don't have the link handy right here, but uh, go to h 10 dot me forward slash founder that's f-o-u-n-d-r there's no e there so h10.me forward slash founder and that should bring you there but if not just find you know just google founder and, and i'm sure you guys will, will see this course it'll be interesting to see you'll see a lot of you know melissa uses a lot of healing 10 um in that course so it would be really cool to uh to learn from her now what's the next uh you know we're at the end here of, of 2021 you know let's say we link we link uh, up at the end of 2022 what would you like to be able to tell me 
about what you've accomplished in 2022. So what's your, what's your goals on the Amazon side? Well, currently working on some new uh, brand launches, so hoping to get those up and scaling. Uh, would love to have an update on those for you as well, and also let you know, you know what the actual brands are once we launch. Uh, right now, we're just making sure that you know our trademarks are underway and everything else. Um, but as soon as it's public, you'll you'll be the first to know. <laughs> awesome. Now I, I know your Instagram is messed up. Like you, you got a crazy Instagram handle. That's probably why they, you know, you're like literally at Melissa. Like I don't know how you you got that. Uh, I think we talked about that last time. It was pretty cool. But uh, how how can you know people? You know people now know how to find the, the founder course. But if they just want to be able to reach out to you or follow you to see what you're doing, how can they find you on the the interwebs out there? So once I get my Instagram back, I'm actually working with some internal people at Facebook to basically recover my Instagram account because. For whatever reason, their bots are super sensitive, and um, I've been reported by bots for impersonating myself for some reason. <laughs> so um, I guess it's just because the username is very desirable, and bots will tend to report accounts with you know OG usernames to try and get them disabled and get their accounts deleted so that they can take over that username. So working on getting that back, but once it's back, it's at Melissa with one S, M-E-L-I-S-A. You can also follow me on Facebook or just add me as a friend. I'd love some more internet friends. Um, and Or you can email me at melissavong at gmail.com if you want to go old school. Um, I'm not going to give my address for snail mail, but I can give you my PO address if you want to send me a postcard until I can get my Instagram back. But <laughs> I love it. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for joining us and congrats on all the success. And we'll definitely be keeping in contact in the future to to see what other crazy new things such as launching a eight figure brand without, without uh, having to run PPC. Uh, I definitely want to hear more of that kind of stuff from you. So uh, have a great rest of this year and we'll definitely be uh, talk to you next year. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bradley.